You're listening to DraftKings Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. God bless football. Billy Gill, was that Michael Jr. whistling? We'll find out in a second. God bless football, Mikey A. God bless football, Michael Jr. Wow. It was. That was me whistling. (laughs) Are you a whistler? Or is that just the thing that you did in that moment? Big whistler. One of my few strong talents where publicly I whistle a lot. Yeah. So really, do you do, you do like uh, like popular current songs or you do like the Andy Griffith show? Like, what do you do when you whistle? One I seem to go to all the time is I think the Candyman. Was that from uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? You know. Ooh. Whatever that one is, I bought yeah, for that one a lot right. for some reason. Good whistler. Mm-hmm, Good range. Mm-hmm. Now, can you do the thing where you put the fingers in your mouth and whistle like that? No, and I'm so jealous of people that can. Right. Like a great coach could do that, right? A great coach. Because there's just so much more volume with that one. Can any of you guys do that? No. 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 I could barely I whistle. People try and teach me. Can't do it. Right. My uncle used to do it, and some people have, like, uh, my wife has told me, that her dad also had like a distinct whistle so like that's the thing is not only do you put like the fingers in the mouth some people can do it without doing that right but then everyone also has their own distinct whistle and i don't know if you guys had like multiple people in like elementary school era that had the parents that did it my uncle was pretty much the only one that did it right but you knew as soon as you heard the whistle you didn't even see him but like a dog your ears just kind of perked up you're like yep that's his whistle that's for us it's time to go home he's here <laughs> and then we would eventually coerce him into like hey why don't you come be all-time qb for a couple games here and then he's like okay and then he'd be there like coming home from work he'd be in his scrubs and he'd be like in the field like playing with strange children not strange children they were our friends but he would be like the adult in scrubs all-time quarterbacking a bunch of you know like 12 year old kids playing football I'm glad you cleaned up the strange children part of it. Yeah, it was, <laughs> they were classmates. Some about. of them were strange, though. <laughs> yeah. Wait, but Mike and I, Golik and I, had the same reaction. Uh, people could do that whistle without putting their fingers in their mouth, like yeah, really? just yeah, yeah. It's I think it's but it, t- tongue but, related. It has to be your teeth too, right? I think there's some people that like just can't do it genetically because they don't have the right like I don't know right. holes. I was going to say, this is a whole new classification system because I always wondered if there was a divide between the people who could one hand it with the finger and the thumb and then the people that, you know, have to like put two fingers on each side like that. I figured there was a divide there. If you're one of the people that can just raw dog it, you've got to be the upper tier of loud whistlers. Wait, so you're saying that's like that's tier one? Because I would say it looks better if you shove a couple of fingers in your mouth, you know? Mm. 
I would say aesthetics to me, the one hander is probably yes. the most elite. It's yeah. so impressive, right? <laughs> right. Like Parcells, he's the greatest ever at it. I mean, oh, you that ups the like you already had the intimidation factor with Parcells, but that's immediately like that's like meeting a man who works with his hands. As soon as you can do that, I'm like, oh, you're made of manlier material than I am. So what do you like? So the person that does it with their fingers or whatever, right? Like what is if you could and you could select your ability to loud whistle? Would you just just like a quick like whistle or would you do like a or one of those things like a two parter or would it just be like a long whistle or just like a quick, you know, one of those? I would go long short. Mine would be like a like something like that. A little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's like a cursive classic. whistle almost. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Could Brian Kelly pull it off? Was he like one of those coaches that had the whistle down? No, Brian didn't have the whistle down. I wonder what percentage of coaches actually can, considering most of them grow up with an artificial whistle. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they've always got the fake thing. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, Parcells can. I have a feeling Andy Reid can. Uh, I don't know. The Belichick can. Yeah, Belichick can do the whistle. <laughs> I feel like all the Parcells tree guys have to be able to. Mm. <laughs> or else it you're was, not on his was, coaching It was staff. required. Yeah. Right. The Shanahan McVay guys, no chance. Yeah. Listen, uh, your resume looks good. You got you had a great season last year. Just one thing. Need you to go ahead and whistle for me. Oh, oh you can't? Well, we'll be in touch. I love that. Uh, we originally asked Gojo to join us for God Bless Football. He said no. Then we told him Dan Nitro Clark was going to join us, and he was like, hey, I'm in. <laughs> what time? <laughs> Say less. Yeah. American flag leotards, we're in. Why are you so intrigued by him? Like, what is it What is it about him? I, I just think the whole American gladiators phenomenon in general, I like things that are sports tangent that involves strength like i grew up watching world strongest man too all of that stuff infinitely wow. fascinating like because all of these guys like were and you know with nitro you had people that were playing traditional sports that then once that ended start and parlayed it to something like this where you still got to be strong you still have to be able to do really athletic stuff but you just do it in the most ridiculous settings possible and that's to me way better gojo I, I had never thought about this, or I guess we didn't know this, but we should have you on the next time we have Magnus for Magnuson on. Oh, yeah. yes. The guy yeah, is God. the best. And his guy that like we would reach out to, would, like he was constantly inviting us to Iceland to go watch, like work out with him or go to like a world's strongest man there. And we're like, it's in Iceland. It's a bit of a trek. Like we have trouble <laughs> getting to the Super Bowl. I don't know if we're going to make this one work, but. <laughs> Man. The most jealous I've ever been of anyone. So our Kyle Rudolph, friend of the show, at one point with the Minnesota Vikings, they took them on a trip to Iceland as like an NFL ambassador, team ambassador thing. And he got to go, I believe this was in Iceland, to, you know, half Thor Bjornsson, who played the mountain on Game of Thrones, giant strongman. He he got to go watch him work out just like that in Iceland. So he got to live what you guys are talking about. And it seemed awesome. I love that Magnus. We can't get ourselves to Glendale, but Magnus wants us to come to Reykjavik. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to reopen that relationship to get an invite because the last time I was like, yeah, uh, maybe Magnus. Like, maybe we could do that, knowing full well, like we're. I can't get us to get 20 people to go to Iceland in November. Please, just just send me. I'll go and work out with him. Videotape all of it. I got you guys. Oh, I love that. You think Magnus can whistle? No doubt. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely.
Do you think Dan Nitro Clark can whistle? Two fingers in his mouth. We'll find out next. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. You know another thing that hasn't changed? Is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Ah, I remember it like it was yesterday. Sitting back in my dad's pickup truck. Me, my dad, Pappy. It's my granddad, I used to call him. Fishing at the pond. I remember dad and Pappy going back and forth saying, what is it about this new Miller Lite? Is it that it's less filling or is it the great taste? What I wouldn't give to go back to those times. But you know one thing that Miller Lite does? Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com GBF. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Lite Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs and premium regular beer. My dudes, I'm so, so gosh darn excited uh, with the number one show in the country on Netflix right now. Congrats. I just got the number one. One day of relief. I opened my Netflix this morning and I looked. Muscles and Mayhem, the story of the American Gladiators, number one in freaking America. I mean, wow. It's almost like... Um, I don't know, you know, when you're content, when you're like, as you guys know, you're content producers, when, you, when you're a creative producer uh, and something that's been so close to you, the American Gladiators for the last 25, 30 years ago. And, uh, uh, you know, my partner and I at Game 7, uh, Kyle, um, and we woke up this morning, it's almost like winning the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? You're like, we won! Yeah. We won! Because it, it's been a two-and-a-half-year journey from, you know, selling the story to Netflix to, you know, bringing the directors in to shooting and to filming. It's uh, There's a lot goes into that five-episode thing you see on TV. And even before I, done, before I did a docuseries, I said, how hard can they be? You know, you get people in a room, you interview them, you get the archive footage, you get some uh, electronic press kit footage, and, uh, yeah, you, you know, you just put it together. It, it, the work that goes into creating a, a great TV show, the work that goes into creating a great podcast, as you guys know, it, it's so much work, two and a half years. And, you know, it's just been really a great, great morning. And uh, I just wanted to celebrate that with you guys. Because first, guys, I'm told. That's easy. Congratulations, man. By the way, we just wing it on our podcast. It's not that hard. (laughs) (laughs) When you still you're you're born with much more genius than I am because I have to work. I've had to work my ass. I've had to work my ass off for everything I've gotten. You know, I was that kid that was always picked last. You know, when I back when I played uh, Pop Warner football, that'll tell you how old I am. It's actually called Pop Warner. I was the kid who you know was the overweight kid who couldn't play in the game because he couldn't make the weight class. And originally I played football because I tried baseball. You know, I tried baseball and I went out for the first time. The, the guy in the crowd hit a pop fly. The ball went flying up in the air and it came down. I had my little glove out and hit me in the head. And I started crying. Then I went to boxing. I started boxing. I got the gloves on and this first boxing thing, this kid hit me in the mouth, you know, with his head, head butt in me. My lip bled and I started to cry. <laughs> so then I said, you know, football, I'm going to play football because you got a helmet on, you got a pads. But as a, as a, as a shy little kid, football was, I thought was going to be a way for me to hide under that helmet. 
But then I was called out because I was put on the sideline with the other fat kids and with my jersey right above my man boot and my big belly hanging out who were too fat to play football. So for me, you know, I've, I've had to work my ass off for everything I, you know, I've gotten. When I switched to, you know, being, you know, a producer and a writer, I didn't even know how to type. Billy, I didn't know how to type. And I said, I'm going to be a writer. But I knew how to work, man. You know, I knew how to work. I got Mavis Beacon and started teaching myself to type. And I hated Mavis Beacon. So then I got like Mario Brothers teaches typing. Oh, my God. I used to use that in elementary school. Mario teaches typing. That was the best. This is amazing. (laughs) So what you use, Billy, as a bright, young, high achieving kid, I used after I finished San Jose State football, grown man moved to the industry i we were using the same program this is amazing <laughs> wow a lot of similarities in this chat right now you and billy used that same program i was also a fat kid in pop warner football who couldn't made weight and had a jersey up to my man boobs so we had a lot in common here <laughs> do you have an aura ring on is that an aura ring that is an aura ring do you have oh, one too Jesus Christ. Yeah, yes it's oh an aura ring yeah. there's only one rule about aura rings if you have an aura ring, you got to talk about it. Okay, let's talk about really, it. Let's talk about it. What are they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, no, it's a funny thing. I used to do CrossFit. There's one rule in CrossFit. If you can do CrossFit, you have to talk about it, right? Now, aura ring is just a uh, thing that we got one rule for everything. I mean, bio, biomechanics. Yeah, my wife talk loves about me. it. One rule. <laughs> when I talk, honey, when I talk, I got no rules. She, she completely owns me. <laughs> Talk aura rings. I want to hear you and Mike talk about them. Mike, tell me about. Tell me your, what your thoughts about the aura ring is. Uh, it's great, Stugatz, to try and remind me and shame me into sleeping more, even knowing full well I don't end actually end up sleeping more. It's one of those wearables that tracks like your heart rate and your blood oxygen at night, and it gives you a little score in the morning, and it gives you these colors. So you wake up and you open the app, and based on what your score is and how much sleep you got, if you get a number in the 90s, it's real nice and blue. It's real healthy. It kind of tells you what a good job you're doing. But a lot of like times... Do, does, it do your ere- does it do your erection count during sleep as well? Oh. No, yeah. I feel like you had to order extra for that. That one got They got that for oh, you? Oh, you might just not be getting them. Hmm. Oh man, I gotta talk to it. Whatever you know, they say in the erect in like the um, in the uh, Viagra ads, if you have one for longer than four hours, consult a doctor. Apparently, I'm not having one all night, so I need to call a different guy. No, I've never seen that ad. I don't know. I don't don't even know what that is. (laughs) No, but as as Mike was saying, the aura ring is a great uh, bio tracker. It just tracks all your bio things. As um, I get older, you know, I I used to be one of those guys who used to say, you know, I'll sleep when I was dead. And it was just all work, work, work. But I think science has taught us the, the latest science and the clinical trials and the studies have taught us that if there's, you know, the four pillars of health, you know, exercise, diet, mental health. And the fourth one that I used to always skip was sleep. And this aura ring, they should be sending us all free aura rings for talking about them so damn much. Um, they, it, it really tracks my sleep and things I was doing before. Um, I live in California, so cannabis is legal. You know, I was taking a little THC, CBD before bed. I was taking the valerian root. I was taking melatonin. All these things I thought were helping me get better sleep. And none of them, actually did they helped me fall asleep quicker but i wasn't getting the deep sleep and the aura ring has just been fan uh fantastic for that another thing i do too this morning and the reason my hair is a little wet which little i have left is i went into my cold plunge pool was which is right in this side of my house here and i found that's been um uh, another fantastic thing as well 
So it sounds like you're taking incredible care of yourself now. Walk us through, because a lot of this documentary seems to be about how hard everyone was living during the American Gladiators time here. What was your recovery process like during the height of American Gladiators? Take another shot at testosterone. Oh. All right. You know what? I'm glad you said it. I just want he to led ask. you right where you wanted to be led, Michael at Junior. So, I mean, so that's Michael, why Dan Nitro Clark is the f- best. The guy. So, so Michael, but let me go back. We're going to go back to wherever you want to go. But I just want to say, look, you know, I was a 22 year old guy who had just cut, got cut from strike ball with the Rams. You know, they kept me on for another three, four weeks. You know, but the NFL was the dream. So when I came to Hollywood, you know, I was a guy who had a two-year-old son who didn't have a job, who was living on his strike money. And when I got the job, they, I, I, you know, I would have fought Mike Tyson if they said, here's 500 bucks. So I knew what I signed up for. And getting hurt is and getting injured was just part of the deal. Now, looking back in retrospect, I can say, damn, you know, I wish – they would have tried the games out before they actually let humans do them. You know, we were like the guinea pigs in these mat. When you see the docu series, you'll see these guys. You know, they were drawing pictures in their backyard. You know, stuntmen saying like, "Hey, wonder if we can get people to do this shit." <laughs> you know, and then we did that shit and we paid the price. But you know, besides. And we talk, we show this a lot in Muscles and Mayhem uh, on Netflix right now. The number one show, I will say again, because I'm so proud and stoked. Yeah. Um, we talk about this a lot about, I think the only, I have only one regret of American Gladiators. I wouldn't take the rest back. It was such a phenomenal experience. The one regret and why I think the show blew up uh, was that the big corporate entity was not paying the little guys. When I say the little guys, it was us gladiators who created, I think, the following of that show by leaving our blood, sweat, and tears on that mat. And when it came time after the show was a success, and we were on all these pieces of merchandise, you know, even a Slurpee cup, you know, uh, toys, Mattel, all this, we said, hey, just be a good business partner and share in the merchandising rights. We're not asking for anything out of this world. We're not asking for a Jack Nicholson Batman deal. Just give us what the industry standard is. And I remember Sam Goldwyn Jr. told our rep, my dad didn't negotiate and neither do I. Come to work or you're fired. And it's kind of the same thing that's going on with the writer's strike right now. You know, these guys, you know, Zasloff, $250 million. Right. And the writers are saying, just just give us a little, just give us a little. And that's what it felt like. So see, and I'm, a, I'm in the writer's guild. I've been for 25 years and I fully support that. And, and that's what it kind of feels like again. Now, go ahead, go ask me about uh, Royd's rage and redemption. <laughs> I just wanted to ask if steroids were awesome or not, because like everyone, we talk about all the bad stuff. Obviously, there are bad side effects and things you have to contend with. But at the time when you're on all that test, like, what is that feeling? What's the superpower that comes along with that that the rest of us who have not gone down that path missed out on? So you're you're, you're natty. You've never you're natural. You never tried roids. No, I never. I never got up the goal to actually do it. I always looked from afar and wondered. Not okay. So you're not hiding under the guise of testosterone replacement therapy as you age. 
No, I would look way better if I was actually doing that. So, no, I I wish you could you could if you could see the rest of my body off camera, you would know this was natural. Plus, he's a young man, Nitro. I've been thinking about doing that, to be quite honest with you, if you want to know the truth. Why? You, you don't how, suggest how, it? No, no, no. How old are you? I don't 50. know. I can't. 50. You're still a young man to me. I, I, I hit okay. 59 this year. So, so, you know, okay, testosterone replacement therapy. That's, I think, a nice way to say steroids, the bean, the juice, whatever you want to call it, the gear. You're still taking the gear. Now, the amounts you take may be different. Um, but I'm on testosterone replacement therapy right now. I'm still, I'm on the gear. I've been on and off it for, you know, 35, 40 years. The dosage is different, but when you go to get testosterone replacement therapy, um, they pretty much prescribed to you, Stu, what the first, one of the first steroid doctors in America, Dr. Kerr, when I was 18 years old, when steroids weren't illegal in 1982 prescribed to me, it's the same dosage. Hmm. I went in there after I was playing juco ball and uh, I got injured my freshman year at Santa Ana College and I saw my dream, you know, this you know, kid from Santa Ana whose parents had no money. I saw my dream of going to college and getting a scholarship evaporate because I blew out my knee. And I was in the gym and there was this buff dude. And uh, I just walked up to him on my little crutches, you know, trying to rehab. And I said, my God, you look great. What do you do? And he just whispered in my ear and uh, he said, I take steroids. And now we all know what that is. But back then in 1982, I, I was like, what the, what, what, what are steroids? And he said, you know, look, it's this thing that helps your body rebuild faster so you can work out uh, harder. And I was like, okay. And he said, you know, um, there's rumors that these guys, you know, Schwarzenegger and some football players and Frigno are taking them. And I said, are they safe? And he says, I get them from a doctor. I, I, I said, what? You get this shit from a doctor? Uh, you know, I'm, this time I was 17 and a half. Um, I finished uh, high school young, not because I'm smart, but I'll, another story. And so I said, let's go. So I drive up to see this doctor, 17 and a half years old, Dr. Kerr, and he won't see me. He says, you're not 18. I can't prescribe unless you're 18. So on my 18th birthday, May 21st, I got my dad to give me $172, and I went and drove up and saw Dr. Kerr from Orange County, California, Los Angeles. And uh, there he introduced me to the world of steroids. And it was the same dosage that when I go to my friend Stephanie at Novus here in Studio City, California, same dosage she starts people out on. So it's not that much different. Now, anybody starting TRT, I would say if your doctor's, and again, I'm not a doctor. This is just anecdotal advice from my personal experience. The doctor will usually sometimes want to, if they, I think they overprescribe. They'll say, here, take 200 milligrams of testosterone sipinate. I think the minimal dosage that gets the result is what you want to stay with Stu Gatz if you're going to do with it. And what yeah. you need to do, again, consult your doctor, but they're going to look at your testosterone levels. As we age, our testosterone levels go down. You know, I think um, uh, the FDA would say testosterone on a natural level is, I think, 250 to 1,100. I could be getting that wrong by 100. Go look it up on Google. 250 is extremely low. So what I believe is in optimal levels. So I want to be around 900, 900 milligrams. That's what you have when you're in your 20s. And that's where I do my blood work every three months, you know, uh, religiously. 
to see where my testosterone levels are, to see where my uh, 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 red blood cell counts are, because it can cause high levels, can cause your blood to thicken. And that shit's not good, because that leads to blood clots and heart attacks. And I think a lot of times, and this is a speculation why you saw a lot of the WWE guys die young, is because they were on the bean and they weren't taking something to thin their blood. Or sometimes you actually have to go give blood to thin out your blood. So it's a whole thing here. So, Stu, I think you go to see the doctor. Uh, you can even call Stephanie and uh, Novus uh, here, and I'll give you the number after. She okay. does. She, she's fantastic. She tests all your blood work. She spends an hour with you. She tells you everything, and she'll tell you exactly what you need and how much you need, and you want to be in that optimal range. Because once you open that Pandora's box, you know, you take too much too soon, your body stops making the testosterone. Then you're at a deficit. You just want the minimal dosage that gets the job done. And what should you see? Increased erection of frequency. So you won't be like Golik Jr. and, and your mm -hmm. ring won't register. <laughs> You'll see uh, uh, increased um, libido. You'll see um, uh, more energy. You'll recuperate. But here's the key. Because I have a lot of friends who are on TRT, and I know women, tons of women now are on light doses of testosterone. I'm, I'm talking Beverly Hills housewife types. I'm not talking, you know, female gladiators, you not know, bench press you types. And what you really need, um, it, you need to exercise, you need to train. Steroids by themselves are not the magic placebo. I have friends who are, I won't even say what they do because they may know I'm talking about them. They, they go to the TRT, but they don't train and their body's not any different. It helps you if you work, if you diet, if you exercise, if that makes sense. Okay, class is over. What can we talk about next? Did it ever did help you commitment. like, did it ever help you lift up like a VW Beetle or something? Like what was like the craziest thing? They're like, oh my God, this is awesome. I should keep right. doing these. I think that's what Mike was trying to get at. Like in your 20s, like at American mm -hmm. Gladiators, when you were taking it, what did it look like and what did it feel like? You know, it was the same thing I took uh, when I played football. It was a minimal right. dosage. You get stronger, faster. I think um, the downside is this. And I remember when I was at San Jose State, uh, my junior year, uh, I led our team in sacks. I was a preseason All-American. Scouts were starting to come to see me because I was, you know, I was big. I was fast. I was an edge rusher. Uh, and, you know, Claude Gilbert, my coach, was fantastic. But I tore a hamstring. What happens is your muscles grow so fast and they get strong, and a lot of times they can't handle the torque because they haven't had time to completely form, and muscles tear. And then other times, you know, your muscles get so big, your tendons and ligaments can't handle it because your growth is supposed to come over time, you know? And, I, and, let me, and it's a different landscape too, my, my dudes, right? When I took the steroids, they weren't even illegal, Right. The, the, the NCAA had not come down with their ruling yet because we didn't know what they were. Now, if you're taking steroids, they're illegal. You're cheating. You, you know, you get banned. Right. So we're talking about two different things. But, you know, so I don't want to glorify them, you know, because I tore my hamstring. Uh, the next year, they designed this whole defense for me at San Jose State and it never got better. And I, that's probably why I didn't have a pro career. So, what gave me that extra strength and helped me come back was also um, a two-edged sword where I believe I tore my hamstring because of that. So we saw in the 
kind of preview for the documentary. Did they test half of these competitions that you guys were doing on American Gladiators, or were these just kind of insane ideas like human cannonball? Like, let's just put someone on a platform and have someone swing on a rope and try to knock them off as hard as they can. I think it's like anything, you know. I think they're like guys in their backyard and saying, yo, Billy, jump off this shit. <laughs> see if you can <laughs> jump off the roof and see if you can land on the ground. Hey, Billy did it. Hey, now, Mike, it's your turn. Mike, let's go, you know. And then once Mike does it, he's going to look to Stu and he's going to say, hey, if we jumped off the roof, that's one story. Stu, you do the two-story one. <laughs> you know? and, then, and then mom is looking out the window and saying, it's all fun until somebody gets hurt. And I think that's how glad he goes. I will say this. I don't think there was any ill will or intention. You know, well, people just, the young production company just at that time trying to make a show. Let's do something for the people. But you know why Gladiators, I think, was great. And I've had 25 years to think about this. And when they did the reboot, I was talking to Michael Hearn, who's just this, who played Titan on the reboot in 2008. That guy is just a physical specimen. And I said to him, uh, Mike, you know, it's not your fault that the revival didn't succeed. You are an awesome physical specimen. Jen Witterstrom, awesome physical specimen. Gina Carano, MMA fighter. You guys are awesome gladiators. It was overproduced. The had NBC behind it, had all these studio execs, all these accountants trying to run a sports competition show. The original show, the heart of it was, hey, Billy, today you and Mike are going to go on these obstacles. They're going to be hard as shit. And not only are the obstacles going to be hard as shit, you're going to have to try to beat the asses of these big, huge dudes and chicks in spandex. And to Billy and to Mike, you guys are the best in your town. You know, captain of the football team, baseball team. You still felt like you had that athletic ability and you didn't have a platform to show it. You know, for smart for the smart brainiac, you had, you know, we look fortunate. Trivial Pursuit, all these other game shows. For the athlete, you didn't have anything if you weren't allowed and you couldn't continue your dream of being an athlete. And American Gladiators brought that. And it was hardcore. It was raw. It was pure competition. It was mano a mano going in these obstacles against these larger-than-life action figures and made the best man win. And not only did you win, but you won in Hollywood. And the new one, they just overproduced it. You look at American Ninja Warrior. What is American Ninja Warrior? That whole show, in my opinion, is the American Gladiator final event, the Eliminator, was this crazy obstacle course. That whole show is based upon two people, or a group of people going and doing their best in a crazy obstacle course. Did, did that make any sense, or am I just talking about my... No, you're awesome. No, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And, and you're right, looking for that predecessor, because I think everyone was kind of looking for the success that you guys have had with something physical like that. When in the process did you guys know you would achieve something? Like when did you feel the most famous or like you guys had arrived at this show's peak? That's, that's a great question. I'm like, um, I, I'd say, and again, we cover this in muscles of mayhem uh, on Netflix. Did I say it was the number one show yet? No. Yeah, you did a Is couple it? of times. I mean, <laughs> maybe, no one promotes <laughs> like you. Yeah. Oh, so, anyway, anyway uh, so after the first 13 episodes of American Gladiators, 
And again, they paid a scale 700 bucks, you know, when it finished, it was such a shit show. We had this guy dressed up in this black outfit from head to toe. And he was like called the executioner. And if after an event, if you won or lost, he would do a thumbs up or thumbs down. Shit was breaking. People were getting hurt. When those first, first 13 episodes ended, I was like, I better go find another job. <laughs> this shit's never going to last. I, I, I think we were all shocked when they called us back and said we're doing a second 13, which made the whole first season of 26 episodes. We were shocked. And the second 13 got a little bit better. We dumped Malibu, great guy, shitty gladiator. You know, he looked like Farrah <laughs> Fawcett with his hair. Who was I, the worst? Yeah. Who was the worst gladiator? Was it Malibu? Worst gladiator, as far as his ability to perform as a gladiator, oh, Malibu. I mean, <laughs> great guy, beautiful hair, built like a god, world class racquetball player, but racquetball what? player. What? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Wow. A world class racquetball and a great dude. I mean, great dude. But racquetball doesn't prepare you to get punched in the face. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and as you guys know, play football, there's a tell. And we talk about it in, in the docuseries. There's a tell, and I remember this from football, is when someone's got to do – we had this guy. I won't say his name because I like him. Uh, we went to San Jose State. This guy was built like a Greek god. He came in, and we're like, oh, my God, look at this guy. He could he could have walked on stage one of Mr. America. But as soon as we started contact drills, we went, bap, and I saw him blinking. And I said, oh, guy can't hit, right? right, my, The guy can't hit. And the same thing with Malibu. We would start to do these contact things, and he would like start blinking, you know, blinking, blinking. And literally, he blinked his way off the shelf. <laughs> you know, he could not <laughs> take a hit. Don't he blink. Got his, yeah, he got his ass kicked. He flew off that human cannonball. And, um, you know, at the end of the at first 13, they just said, you know, you don't got it. And that was one of the things about gladiators. You know, your your job wasn't guaranteed. If you did not perform, your ass was getting fired. If you got hurt, you weren't getting paid. You got we shot twenty six episodes in a season. You got hurt in episode three. Bye bye. Did we, you paying us for the other ones? Nope. Yeah, that's what it was like. You know, back then it was uh, the Stone Ages. So I was going to ask you because you said that everybody, the competitors come on and they're like the big shots in their town. If you guys took extra pride in basically crushing their dreams, but you guys had to perform or you weren't going to have a job the next week. Let me say that without the contenders, there would be no gladiators. So all you contenders out there across America who came on and, and, and gave us your best. All the contenders, when we did our 120 city tour, we sold out Madison Square Garden, who came out there and gave us your best. We wouldn't be here without you. So this is just a moment to say thank you. Um, and I think any true athlete, men or women, would not want you not to give your best. You know what I mean? You're playing with your buddy and like, yeah, dude, try. Well, you know, I think out of respect, you owe the captain of the football team who's coming to face you out of respect for him as a human being, as a competitor, you owe him that to give him 100%. But remember the format of the show, Billy, it wasn't, you had to beat us. It was, you had to beat each other. You, yeah. You and Mike going against each other to see who did better 
against the Gladiator. And that's how you got your score. We were just obstacles. Uh, Dan Nitro Clark, this is this has been amazing. The American Gladiators docuseries, Muscles and Mayhem, an unauthorized story of American gladiators, uh, gladiators is streaming now on Netflix. It's ranked uh, what, Dan? What is it ranked right now? <laughs> Numero uno. That's right. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I am wondering, Dan, just on the way out here, you had such a great run. If you had to pinpoint one or two reasons as to why the thing fell apart, because it was so popular, what would those reasons be? Uh, it, we talk about it 100% in Muscles and Mayhem. It was after season, and, and it's one specific thing, and I am so clear on this. After season three, we were at the height of popularity. We had just done our 120-city tour. Uh, the merchandising Mattel toy line had just come out, and I covered this earlier with you. We went to the producers and said, be fair, share in some of the profits. They said, no, come back to work or you're fired. So the three most popular gladiators, Gemini, Nitro, Ice, and Zap, who was with us, we all quit. They had this belief that the franchise was popular. They had the belief that it's the WWE, not back in my day, Hulk Hogan, Iron Sheik, Randy Macho Man, Savage, Ultimate Warrior. Right? They had that belief. And then when the show came back the next year without us, the ratings just cratered. They thought they could put anybody in spandex and it would be the same. So <laughs> they begged me to come back the following year. And I said, no. I said, I'm not coming back because we stood up for something. Then they threw another carrot at me. They said, you know what? Come back as Nitro for one year, and then you can host with Mike, the fabulous, fabulous Mike Adamley. Fabulous Mike. I love that man. He's been such a mentor to me. Um, you can host with Mike Adamley. You can, you know, come up to the booth like a lot of people did, which my aspirations were to, you know, host and act. So um, that's what happened, and that, that's what built the show is over greed. And let me close on this. Let me just say, um, you know, uh, the whole experience was amazing. I don't regret one minute. Uh, the new docuseries that's out, I think fans are going to love it. We, My partner and I created, along with the, uh, Jared Hess and Tony and Camper and everybody who helped with Netflix, to make it something that the fans would love. So when you watched it, it would take you right back to that era with the music and the times. We have sex, drugs, rock and roll, and spandex. There's stories of tragedy, but also stories of triumph. And it all started based upon the book I wrote 10 years ago, Gladiator, a true story of Roy's rage redemption, because that was the initial intellectual property that we pulled my stories from that got the deal started. Um, so again, I want to thank you guys for coming on. Uh, I hope you fix your problem, Mike Golick Jr. with your, yes. you know, <laughs> that, we won't say it again because I know it's embarrassing. Yeah. Dude, if you're going to, you know, hit me up if you're going to go on, you know, I'll have the publicist give you a number if you're going to do the TRT thing. I'm happy to talk you through it. And Billy and Mike, uh, I appreciate you guys. I'm fans of you guys. You guys do an excellent job. And, you know, thanks for having me on, my boys. Check out the docuseries on Netflix right now. It's number one. Uh, just an odd request on the way out here. We were having a weird conversation about whistling before you came on. Are you the kind of guy, can you whistle, Nitro? Can you whistle? Can you do two fingers in the mouth and whistle? No. Oh, you can't. Okay. Right. No, why? why? Tell, I need to hear the context of this. 
Uh, well, Mike just started. Michael Jr. started off the show by whistling for some reason, and then we got into a whole conversation about whistling and how impressive it is for the person that can do the two fingers of the mouth and just let out a really loud whistle. And, and it's, obviously, he must be the one who can do it. He no, can. he oh, can't. I wish. No. No. But after he takes nobody, testosterone, he will. I know that's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, the boner's in the right Mike, spot. <laughs> Mike, nobody can do it? Nobody, nobody on this, no. No one can do it. Uh, congratulations, Thank man. You. Number one on Netflix right now. Check it out. Docu-series, uh, American Gladiators. It was a great time. It really was. Yeah. It was a great time in American history. It was. Yes, sir. And you guys can, and they can, everyone can find me at Dan Nitro Clark on social. Drop into my DMs. That's how you know I'm getting younger. All right. Drop into my DMs, right? <laughs> Listen, we're going to request you some more, okay? I have questions about testosterone. I want you to take me through yeah. it. Uh, but we're also thinking perhaps a weekly appearance on God Bless Football oh, once the season starts. What do you think? You good? Dude, I'm, I, I'm, I need help because I'm getting the – yes, I'm there. I need help because I'm getting my friends to ask me to play fantasy football. I need okay. you guys as my, che- as my cheat yeah. code. Perfect. It's two, $250 to get in, and I don't Done. have time to do all this. So you guys are going to be my cheat code. We can do a weekly segment. Weekly fantasy I'm- with Nitro. Yes. Yeah, well, I know I, I need your help. I need you guys to tell me who to pick, and we can follow along. And I'm going to kick their ass. And one of the guys is English. And if an English guy, my friend Steve Whitefoot, beats me in fantasy football, my life will be over. Yeah. Right? Because they, they don't even have football yeah. over there. In Can't England. let Lightfoot beat you. We, we got yeah. your, Listen, we got your back. You come on once a week. We'll pick the team for you, and, uh, and you'll go beat your friend from England, okay? Yes, I got you. I love you guys, man. Thank you. All right. We'll try to do this as quickly as possible because I want to get to uh, to J.J. Watt. I want to get to Dalvin Cook. I want to get to Travis Kelsey. I want to get to players suspended for gambling in the NFL. But what the hell just happened with Nitro Clark? Billy, what just happened with Nitro? Uh, it seems like you have committed to us doing a weekly fantasy football segment with Nitro so that he can beat his friend uh, Lightfoot. In yeah. fantasy football, while he's doing testosterone replacement there. Yeah, while while he is promo code nitro and accusing me of having erectile dysfunction, I think it was it was a while it was a ride. Other things, yeah, <laughs> lots of stuff went on there. Uh, just when you think the show couldn't get any stranger, do you want me to stop asking people to make weekly appearances? I figured you liked Nitro. That's you know, <laughs> I I may like Nitro, but you're also committing me to more work every time you do that, and uh, me figuring out how it is all these pieces fit together during the season. Just shove them in the Mojo segment. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that because that's that's what that segment needs is more people in it. <laughs> More testosterone. Oh, God. <laughs> Nitro and Mojo, sponsored by Test. Nitro oh, and Mojo man. together, though. Jeez Louise. Oh, God. Hey, fun uh, lingering. <laughs> always. Gojo, we have, uh, I believe, now 10 players suspended uh, for gambling in the NFL. Seven suspended for the entire year. They're out for the year. Uh, three got a six-game suspension for merely gambling on another sport, but having the audacity to do it from their team facility. Uh, what do you make of all this, Coach? <laughs> In general, these like I understand where the NFL is coming from. The six-game suspension, somebody is going to have to explain to me. And I asked this the last, the first time this came up with Jamison Williams because he was the biggest name so far of the players that had been suspended was 
what what is the actual gripe with them placing a non NFL bet at work? Because again, clearly between the sports books and the NFL, they've got the ability to pretty accurately track the gambling activity. So if you know they're betting on like Major League Baseball, but they do it sitting in their locker at a towel after practice, I need to know what the issue is there because I just can't see it. Right, I totally understand. Like, first off, go on some of these team planes and watch all the gambling that's going on there. Go inside the actual locker room and see the card games that are going on oh. in every NBA locker room in America. It's Dude, ridiculous. my dad used to talk about the Ray games on their plane when he was with the Eagles all the time. Right. You see money changing hands over college football games in there. Everything gets gambled on in pro locker rooms, and you're going to – what, because this is now legalized and actually structured, it's an issue, makes no sense to me. It's odd because you have the NFL as a company, right, uh, taking a lot of the gambling money. Uh, they're not shying away from it. Uh, and yet you can't have players. It makes no sense. I understand players not being able to bet on their own team. I understand players not being able to bet on their own sport. But to bet on another sport from the team facility, give me a You know how much money the Titans are taking from DraftKings or FanDuel? Like, get the hell out of here. The one that's wild to me, though, was Isaiah Rogers from the Colts apparently betting on the Colts games. Yeah. Like, that. that's a level of audacity that... <laughs> I'm going to need further explanation on because also you've got the dynamic. Now we talked about this. This is the Mikey C principle where it's and 16 or 16 and Oh, either be great or be terrible. Colts are pretty bad last year. So Mm. were you betting on them to lose Mm. or were you betting on them to win? Cause it's like, all right, if you took them to win or took them with the spread, at least you're rooting for the home team. (laughs) But now all of a sudden I got to question your motives. If you're betting for them to lose or betting for them not to cover, that feels foul. I love the idea of a cornerback, Mikey A like betting that the wide receiver that he's covering is going to have the over and catches and yards. <laughs> Great. You should get a lifetime ban if you do that. <laughs> but I mean, that's like if we're really getting to the core of it, because again, the year suspensions, like I get all that. If you're the NFL and if you're the people they're taking gambling money from, nobody wins if you've got the appearance that things are foul play is at work and what you just described is the nightmare scenario like yeah it'd be real easy for me to go down there and tie my shoes or fall over accidentally and get burned for a buck 50 in the first half and call it a day but like i don't know man are these guys that good at gambling to where they're willing to risk the year's salary these guys make a lot of money yeah right well, do any of these guys affect the outcome of games? Like the guys who have gotten busted. <laughs> that's I'm serious. Nice. That No, Billy, that's what it's going to be. Billy, I'm telling you right now. The bigger the names get and the bigger roles they play on their teams, if they're gambling on their teams, it's going to be a major, major issue. I, I, Stu Gatz, I think I, I heard Bamani Jones and Spencer Hall make this point. Football is going to be hard for any one player to fix because there's 22 people on the field at once. Right. And unless you're the quarterback, your chances of touching the ball on any getting pl- given play are so minimal. It's pretty hard. I think the m- more of it's the access to information, right? You know, injury reports, who's going to be up and down and available, game plan specific stuff. Like you're a lot more aware of the nuts and bolts than everybody else in a way that would give you the better advantage. Could a corner be the second most influential guy? Because if you, like you said, if you fall down, that's that's a touchdown. Right, Mike, I'm not talking about the outcome of the game. On those individual prop bets, they can absolutely affect the outcome. Anyone could. The wild part about this is how is this still happening after Calvin Ridley happened? Like, that's the part that I don't get. You'd think, like, okay, like, he'll be the sacrificial lamb, and then everyone will get the message, and then this problem will go away, but it hasn't gone away. 
Well, and they've been telling you not to gamble on football for a long time. Like, this isn't new just because... It's in because... your contract. It's in the CBA. I know most of the players aren't reading it, but it's there. Sure, but and it's like it's on posters in every locker room. It's stuff yes. that you're probably, like, walking around and don't even notice anymore because there's a million things on there that you don't actually read every day. That's why I wanted to note, to Billy's point, after Calvin Ridley, did the PA and all these teams double down like they're doing now on the information they pass along? Because it seems like the NFL has gone out of their way to make it very clear. They put out like six bullet points of stuff you're not allowed to do. They're forcing all the rookies to go through training. Why didn't they do that last year after Calvin Ridley or Diddley? That's what I'd like to know. Right. Uh, that's a great point by Billy, though. Like, hey, you saw Calvin Ridley. You saw what happened. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? Yeah. You can't do it. <laughs> well, and that's that's why they're doing this now, too. Like, right. I'd imagine yeah. that's why if it's even close, it's like when they flag a penalty that they want to focus on in the preseason a ton. Mm-hmm. And we all really get really sick of it. But it sends the message like they're they're putting up the signal now. Like, hey, it's it's over. Just don't bother. Yeah. All right. We'll get to J.J. Watt news in a second. But first, Mikey, A. Dalvin Cook. <laughs> You want him? What? You want him? <laughs> sure. I love selfish Jet fan now. Who wants everyone? I mean... Yeah, right after we get Hopkins and trade for Devontae Adams. Mike, no we got players. Aaron Rodgers. Guys, That part of getting Aaron Rodgers and that kind of quarterback with a team that was already good, had seven wins with Zach Wilson at quarterback, is players are going to want to play for Aaron Rodgers, with Aaron Rodgers, because they'll feel like they have a shot at winning a Super Bowl. So if he helps attract Dalvin Cook, I'm all for it. Like, why not? Why wouldn't we want that? Players still want to play for money. Yeah. <laughs> like well, We have money, don't we? <laughs> well, he's, we I mean, he, money. Came, he came out. Pay, you have to pay Rodgers and, and Quinnen. He came out and he said, I want to play the Dolphins. And they have supposedly made him an offer, but yeah, he hasn't yeah. signed there. So doesn't want to play there that bad. Like, he wants the money, too. He wants money. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're a running back, man. You got to get it while you can. It's hard yeah. out here right now. You should. <laughs> Did you guys see? I saw this the other day, and I couldn't believe it. I guess I should have, right? Because everybody talks about how running backs really, like, are underpaid. Everybody feels like they're underpaid. Billy, I've heard that I've heard people say running backs should form their own union. Like, that's how badly they're being treated right now. Well, only one running back ever has made over $100 million in their career, and is Adrian Peterson, which I guess I shouldn't be surprised by, but was like, wow, I guess I never really thought about that. Huh. Well, that was like also timing too, right? Like AP was still in an era where we were running a bunch of I-formation stuff in Minnesota, and the money had ballooned because you had a time where running back was the coolest position that you could have in sports. They just weren't paying out to anyone really like that like ap really hit the sweet spot you're right it's just it's wild because like they it was just the wrong time because you have wide receivers making 30 million dollars a year now and it's yeah. ju- and running backs just aren't getting the money no it's got a running back in the draft work them to death for five years and then get rid of them and move on to another one in the draft that's that's basically uh what it's become it's why austin eckler who who joins us weekly on the show uh, was so adamant that Saquon Barkley set the market for the running backs. But look what happened when Austin Eckler was able to go out and seek another team. It wasn't there for him. And he's one of the best running backs in the NFL because he's probably only got two or three years left on that body. He's telling us every week how much his body hurts. I'm not even certain he's 30 yet. So it's uh, – what do you do there, Mike? If you're Because that's the position 30 times a game you're going to get hit. That's it. If they give you the ball 30 times a game, you're getting hit 30 times a game. Get on the jugs machine and try and switch to slot when you're in high school. Like that's <laughs> that's the reality. Right? And like for a yeah. long time, like 
running back's also the most, and I've said this for a while, running back's the most accessible body type in the NFL, right? Mm -hmm. You can find a lot more dudes 5'8", between 5'8", and 6'2", between a buck 80 and 220 walking the street than most other body types or skill sets in the NFL. And so you've got a glut of guys at that position, got a lot of talented dudes who started off there and offenses that use them less now. Like, it's just... It's bad timing because the emphasis is on the passing game, rules-wise and otherwise. Every part of the league came together to say, yeah, we want to put asses in seats, and we think throwing the ball is the way to do it because now we finally let guys that are great athletes also play quarterback instead of just having Peyton Manning and Tom Brady back there. Yeah, it's such an interchangeable position now. It's like the Eagles. You know, Eagles went to the Super Bowl. They're like, ah, Miles Sanders, see ya. You know, we're bringing, we're bringing Swift. Yeah, he'll, he'll do the same in this offense. Yeah, well, and when your quarterback can be a viable run threat too, like it makes it yes. hard. Like you look at the situation, the Eagles are a great example. It's all right. We know Miles Sanders is a very good running back, but he also was running behind the best offensive line in football, running with running with one of the most prolific quarterback rushers in football. And so if you're going to pick the parts that you want to pay, the O-line affects the foundation for so much else and protects the quarterback, and the quarterback's obviously going to be the guy. So it's just a bad math problem based on what the league emphasizes right now. All right, Billy, this has been a uh, fun uh, fun episode. Thank you to Gojo for joining us, Dan Nitro-Clark as well. Uh, thank you for uh, for him, you know, teaching me how to use testosterone. <laughs> I have to get in touch with Dr. Kerr later, I will. Um, Talk to Billy. Stacey. Uh, <laughs> what is this news going on with J.J. Watt? J.J. Watt is a new home, Stugatz. Announced really? today, quote, and this is according to NFL.com, Three-time Defensive Player of the Year and Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year has signed a multi-year deal with J.J. Watt to join CBS Sports. Oh, my God. You're going to get J.J. Watt in studio beginning week one of the 2023 season in the CBS studio as an analyst. Wait, so he's so he's not doing games. He's just a uh, he's the pregame, postgame studio host. He will be well, not the host. He's going to be an analyst, and he has said, "Who's he and, replacing?" Well, I guess we'll find out here in this quote. He'll say, and I quote, "I love the game too much to be away from it entirely. I'm very excited to be joining CBS Sports to contribute across all their NFL shows and platforms, including working alongside and learning from JB, Coach Boomer, Phil, and Nate this fall." So I don't know who's missing from there. One of the are coaches. They just, are they just adding him in? Well, there's two coaches, right? It's uh, it's uh, it's Bill Cowher. Isn't there another coach on that? I'm looking at the roster right now. Give me the names again, slowly. <laughs> so he's thanked JB, Coach, right. Boomer, Phil, and Nate. Oh, I thought. See, I say I thought I missed Phil the first time around. I thought maybe that was him. That that sounds like everybody. Yeah, yeah I think they're, they're just, just adding him. him. Yeah, they're adding JJ Watt. Wow. Exciting news. J.J. Watt sits in the center, right? Of course. (laughs) With an American flag strapped around his neck. It would be good if they had him off. (laughs) They have him off to the side, like, diagramming plays, and it's like an old-school, like, actual chalkboard or, like, an old-school dry erase board, but it's an actual classroom, so there is, like, the American flag, like, coming off the corner of the wall or whatever, and then for some reason, there's, like, a loudspeaker system next to a clock on top of the board as well. They should do the pledge before they start. Yeah, the exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> he draws up. He draws up plays where the routes spell out to support the troops. I'm surprised he didn't make him move the pregame show to the USA Network. Wow.
lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. You know another thing that hasn't changed? Is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Ah, I don't remember it like it was yesterday. Sitting back in my dad's pickup truck, me, my dad, Pappy, it's my granddad, I used to call him, fishing at the pond. I remember dad and Pappy going back and forth saying, what is it about this new Miller Lite? Is it that it's less filling or is it the great taste? What I wouldn't give to go back to those times. But you know one thing that Miller Lite does? Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller Time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com GBF. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Lite Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs and premium regular beer. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.